Welcome to the Therapist Connect podcast. Dr. Peter Blundell interviews therapists about their work and experiences within the therapist community. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Therapist Connect podcast. My name is Dr. Peter Blundell, and in this episode for series two, I interview therapist Helen Clark, who works in private practice. We recorded this at the height of lockdown and apologies for some issues with the quality of the sound in this episode. So I was just wondering how um, you came to be a therapist, what had drawn you to the profession? How did that happen? Yeah, I was um, I was a self-employed PA and um, <laughs> without really meaning to, um, the clients that seemed to be uh, drawn to me really didn't need very much help with their businesses. Um, I found that what they actually needed was somebody to um, sit and chat to. Um, And very often, because they were mainly sole traders who were um, a lot of the time working on their own, they felt isolated. And um, they they wanted to talk through their own issues that were, generally speaking, not related to the business. And once they'd cleared that air, then they were able to be more productive in their businesses. Um, and one of those clients was a psychologist who suggested that I train as a counsellor. And for three years, I rejected that suggestion. Um, and then I went on holiday to America and met an FBI um, agent who was also on holiday. And she said, oh, have you ever considered training as a counsellor and I thought okay then the universe is trying to tell me something Um, and I came home from that holiday picked up the phone to my local college asked them if they had a training course and uh, they said that's great you start on Monday okay Uh, so it happened fantastic um so um have when was that because I think when we chatted online you're relatively newly qualified is that right or last last year was it yes i i qualified in 2009 okay uh, okay so you did your training so what kind of approach did you did you train in then uh so i'm um a humanistic integrative um, um mm-hmm. my modalities are person-centered gestalts and transaction analysis okay and so what's that been like then since you've qualified? Are you kind of working or practicing as a therapist right now? Uh, yes. So I had um, two placements. Um, mm-hmm. One was in hospice. Um, and I, I knew immediately that that's the work I do. And it suited um, my life experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... Um, it must be two years ago, I started work with a community interest group that provides uh, low-cost counselling um, on an open-ended basis. And in January, I took the plunge. Okay. As you know, um, training is very expensive and um, I needed to start earning some money. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that that's nearly three months then that you've kind of been in private practice. How was that? How was that transition then from working in an agency to moving over to private practice? 
the transition was, um, well, actually, I found it not as complicated as I expected. Mm-hmm. I had an awful lot of support for people that had um, already made that move into private practice. Uh, so some great practical advice. Um, and um, I, I went through a period of, of, am I good enough? Should I really be doing this now? Am I too new? Uh, but actually, um, now I'm glad that, that I have made that. Brilliant. And you, uh, how, how are you with your private practice then? Have you managed to build up a regular clientele? And um, I, I've got some regular clients now. And obviously, the move over to um, online work came very early on for me, but I was supported through that because um, I, I received some training from community interest group I worked mm. with, uh, which was a big help. Um, I've got, um, some, well, I've got eight pro bono clients because I'm also involved in charity and I offer to do primarily one and we'll see how it goes and then if that works well and I can, um, get enough paying clients then, um, then I'll add to the pro bono work for charity. So the two hopefully will end up Great. It sounds like you've got quite a lot of um, work on then. At one day that I that I'm solidly giving to uh, counselling, mm-hmm. um, and then um, Wednesday is my if you like my rest day, mm-hmm. um, and day that I give over to office work as well, so that I can make sure that I'm doing all that practical stuff. So making sure that. I'm Done. Yeah, fantastic. You sound very organised with it, I must say. <laughs> <laughs> um, so because this might be an interesting question for you, because you're, I mean, not newly qualified, but, you know, qualified within the last 12 months, say, or just over, um, if someone was thinking about training to be a therapist or a counsellor, have you got any advice that you would give them before entering into that journey? Um, the, the advice that I, I wish I had received um, was mm. to sit my uh, sit my other half down and explain <laughs> that, um, that this training was going to have a huge impact on both of us. Um, I think without uh, the support of uh, the people that are around you, so especially your family, I've been very lucky and. And my my husband has supported me 100%, and I wanted to understand um, the terminology that I'm using, mm-hmm. and and has also been prepared to um, accept that as I'm changing, um, that that he is going to come along with me and make some changes himself. I think that's a really important point, isn't it? Because, you know, we warn students or we try to about how big an impact it can have on you personally. But then, as you were saying there, it wasn't just you, actually. It was your partner as well as you're changing. Then, obviously, your relationship and the dynamic changes and everything like that. So it's great that you've got a supportive partner who who is willing to go on that journey, really. 
and and not not only um my, my not only my partner but friends as well yeah and um, and that's something else that i would say to anybody considering is that um the dynamic in all your interpersonal relationships with friends and family will change and mm. um, for me that's been a very positive experience um i i can imagine that for some yeah and hard to predict as well how those things will change yeah 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 Yeah. um just uh, yeah it's different from our intentions and what we would like to happen um we don't know how it's actually going to work out in practice that's right yeah Yeah. because Um, ultimately you don't know what you're going to learn about yourself yeah yeah sound advice i think for anyone entering entering into into the profession i think um what kind of rewards and challenges have you had since you've been qualified then from from my perspective um the biggest reward has been the relationships that i've had i, I can think of no greater privilege than being with somebody who um is in need um, is perhaps in distress um, and to to be with them at that time um, and really connect. And I think clients very often think that we see them in isolation and that we don't think about them afterwards. But actually, um, clients that I've had from, you know, two, three years ago still pop into my mind and I wonder uh, what's going on for them. And then, of course, um, those are questions that you have to hold without ever knowing the answer. Those people who can stay with you long after that relationship is finished and and, and ended, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think that's really um, interesting and, and that idea of um, what we have to hold and what we have to try and manage as, as, as therapists. Um, and there's maybe a lot that obviously clients don't see, you know, in terms of, of what we need to talk about in supervision and how, how we manage all of that, really. Yes. Yeah, and that's why I think that having the right supervisor um, is absolutely important. Um, obviously, in, in placement, that's not a choice that we have. Um, we mm-hmm. normally allocated a supervisor. Um, I've always been very, very lucky. Great supervisors um, that I've bonded with really well. Um, equally, if the dynamic isn't right, if you're mode of communication doesn't quite match and um, then it, it uh, isn't quite as uh, supportive the relationship and I think that's a really important idea for students particularly um, you know actually it's a key re- supportive relationship can really shape who you are as a practitioner or support you to develop as a practitioner might be a better phrase um, and if that relationship isn't isn't a, a constructive one then actually it can have a really negative impact on your development as your training um, I, I, I believe that's that's absolutely true um, there, there is an idea that when you are allocated a supervisor by a placement, that, that's it, you've got to stick with it. And actually, um, that, that is advice I would give trainees, is if something doesn't quite fit for you, uh, be open to discussing that with a supervisor. Mm. Because um, that is a co-created relationship and um, they will be feeling attention too um, yeah. and 
And it's important to be able to address that. And that in itself is great training because that's something that you will also have to hold with certain clients. It's not as if every single client that you have will um, be able to create that therapeutic relationship that is most beneficial for them because we're all unique. We talk about clients being unique, but actually as therapists, we're unique too. Absolutely. Um, And I think working through some of those things is absolutely key, really. And being aware of it is the is the is the is the bit that's important, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Being able to hold those comfortable discussions. How have you found that developing relationship with your supervisor then? Is it is it is it something you've had to work at or is it kind of naturally formed? Uh, It's like any relationship. It takes time. Um, I have uh, a a great uh, supervisor now who's very challenging. um, That's always good. (laughs) (laughs) It it is always good. Um, And at first that was something that I, as a trainee, my first supervisor uh, was extremely um, supportive and validating, um, which was great. And that's what I needed. Then. Um, and I have found that the relationships that I need um, have come at a time um, when I'm ready for them. Yeah. And, and that's interesting, isn't it, is, is having different types of supervisor and different approaches from different people and seeing how that fits with you and your, and your practice. Yeah, it's as, as much as anything, it is about um, allowing that development to happen. Yeah, and being open to it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. What do you think that's the biggest challenge that the profession faces going forward? Uh, obviously, there's uh, there's a lot of talk now about um, scope heads. Um, I, my personal belief is that there is a perception that counselling is this cosy little chat that you have with somebody that and nonce. Um, I'd like to, to overcome that perception, that public perception um, of counselling and others to be seen as, as professionals. Uh, part of the issue is, um, is funding. Training is very expensive and we're kind of in a situation where once you've finished your training, your choice is, much as my choice was, and set up in private practice or carry on as a volunteer for X number of years. Um, Some of my colleagues um, have reflected that they felt forced into going into private practice at a time when they didn't really feel ready, but they had to earn an income and nobody was going to employ them. Uh, And there isn't really any other profession that I can think of where that happens. I think you're completely right, and I think um, when you look at all the other professions, there is there is hardly any where once you've qualified, actually, the jobs are limited, um, and the expectancy is to is to volunteer for for a bit longer before you feel I, experienced enough to practice. Um, I'd also like um, people to be, to be aware 
that um, when they sign up, um, and this is from my um, my days as PA in understanding employment law, um, is that when you're a volunteer and your, your placement says to you, well, you have to sign up for 18 months, um, actually, no, you don't. That's, um, that's a, a commitment that you make that is um, honorary rather than um, contractual. Because if uh, you were tied in for 18 months, two years, or however long it is, then effectively you'd be an employee and you would be given a wage. As a volunteer, you have control over how many hours you do. And that message doesn't really get put across. And I think very often a lot of placements don't realise that that's what the law says. And that's really interesting because I didn't I didn't know that myself to be honest with you and I know I know that placements do ask that quite a lot of the time. Yes, yeah, and and of course they want somebody to commit. Then it makes their investment in worthwhile, and I completely understand that. Um, but it takes away some of that voluntary aspect as well. It's interesting now because I think there is some more stronger conversations happening out there. I think people have always had these conversations about counselling and therapy, but I think as a profession or as in a group of people, we're becoming much more vocal about this as a as a particular issue to focus on. And I think that can only be a good thing, really. Yes. Um, we've only we touched on COVID nineteen very briefly. I think you mentioned it. Um, how? How has that impacted on you as a therapist and probably, I imagine, on private practice as well, given that you've kind of only been doing that for three months and then have had to go online for all your clients? Yes, yeah. Um, I um, I was very resistant to moving over to telephone work and Zoom. Um, it, it felt like such a huge leap. I didn't feel that my training had prepared me for that kind of work. Um, so that was um, a, a, a real, um, a real shock just from from face to face work, and um, particularly with long term clients who all of a sudden being told, uh, "Well, you can't you can't see each other this week." Yeah. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I think there's something very powerful that happens when you sit in a room with a client and you share their energy. So for me, I work very much with bodies and all of a sudden all I'm seeing of them is their head and perhaps their shoulders depending on on where their device is located and so that's something that I've had to adjust to and I'm learning to work differently then and and now I'm asking my clients to notice their own bodies and to feed that back to which of course um, is, is not as uh, as reliable, shall we say. So I can't tell when I find tapping their foot um, and ask them to, cons- to consider what's going on. It's, and it's a bit more of a, you're relying on their awareness around themselves and maybe prompting and questioning so that they are acknowledging what is going on, but there may be some things that are missed because of that process. Yes, yeah, absolutely. The, the, the flip side to that is, that working on Zoom, um, I'm suddenly seeing clients in their own environments mm. and, I, and um, the picture that perhaps I have had um, is um, imagine, imaginary uh, part of our relationship 
where I think I know what's going on uh, is maybe very, very different than what is happening um, in real life. And that's something that uh, has been positive. People are, and um, clients are behaving differently because they're in their home environment. Yeah. And that's all information. And cha- might change the way we relate to people potentially, as as we, as you say, we as we see those different bits of information, or or how how they are, or where they are, or who they're with. Uh, absolutely, yeah. yeah, and and especially because um, we're all trapped in our homes, and um, and perhaps, um, say for example, if a client has um, a pet um, that yeah. comes in, or, um, or or a child that comes in, and. Um, what I've now learned is that the way that they interact um, with what's going on around them um, feeds into our work together, which isn't something that I would have been able to experience before. Yeah. So I've noticed on your website, you've got a In a Nutshell series um, and you're looking at um, kind of different bits of the key theories, I suppose, that you're using as a therapist. So transactional analysis, gestalt and person-centered counselling. So I was just wondering um, about how important do you think it is for clients to understand kind of different aspects of the theories that we're, we're using um, and what kind of made you come up with it, this idea of the blog? I don't think it's essential for clients to understand our models um, unless they, they particularly want to. It may well be that people um, who have previous experience counselling may be very clear about what they're after. Created the blog um, as an alternative to putting content um, into the main body of my website. Um, I think very often... Uh, we, as counsellors, talk a lot of, of theory on our websites that isn't particularly helpful to clients. Um, and doing it as a blog meant that that was something that their clients could look at if they felt that they wanted to. Um, I recall, I mean, in the old days, we would have opened yellow pages, um, which gave virtually no information at all. Um, and we have this amazing opportunity now through um, the internet uh, where we can be better informed. Um, and I do think that that should be optional rather than um, prescriptive. Yeah. It's, it's fa- I find it fascinating because I was speaking to somebody about this the other day. I remember when I was training, I read a, a book about setting up in private practice and um, it wasn't that old. Um, and it was saying, under no circumstances, put a photograph on your website. Do not let the client see what you look like before before they actually meet you in person. And I just, I, I always remember it because it, it struck me at the time. And now, I mean, I mean, it's kind of like, actually, there's so much more information the client's going to know about you before they even, before they, they'll see you, they'll know about you, your practice and everything. There's so much information there now, I think. Uh, yes. Um, and especially because uh, clients uh, will, without fail, Check you up on on Google, um, and and ch- and check on Facebook to see what information they can glean. Um, so um, so my website uh, was 
really what I would have wanted to have known um, 30 odd years ago when I first went into counselling. So um, when I walked into a room to meet for my um, my first counsellor, um, what would I like to have known? I've had some um, uh, some shall we say less than productive um, times, uh, and, and one one in particular was with a psychoanalyst because I didn't know what the difference was between psychoanalyst um, or human counsellor, um, and and that's where the theory is used to know uh, what sort of approach, what sort of relationship I might expect from my experience with this person. And it's like a little snapshot, isn't it, you know, for, for clients to be able to kind of see and read and think, oh, yeah, I kind of, even if they don't fully understand the, the, the theory that's there, it's kind of a, an idea of this sounds like something that I would, I would want to be or that's the type of person that I'd want to speak to. Yes. Um, I think it's interesting that the, the book that you were reading said um, no photograph because, um, of course, if the client uh, looks example the BACP register, then there's your photograph. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we all we all do um, as human beings we make we do make judgments, uh, but equally that photograph um, and that um, the way that we choose who we are going to work with. Um, leads into how successful that relationship would be. Absolutely. And, you know, I think you were saying before, all of that information gets put together and feeds into the relationship, you know, whatever it is, um, whether it's accurate or inaccurate. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, Well, I think that's most of my questions, really. Uh, Well, it was actually lovely chatting to you and getting to know you a little bit better. Um, And I'm sure we'll have more um, Twitter discussions as we go forward. Thank you for listening to the Therapist Connect podcast. Go to www.therapist-connect.com for more discussions and debates.